208. that we sang because we were talking about not just knowing how to put together a message, but the importance of allowing the Holy Spirit to help you to understand the Word of God and to derive a message. And uh, so I want to sing that song, 163, and if you can, let's all stand, 163. <laughs> Open my ears that I may hear. 
if you would. Amen. Please do be seated. Well, it's good to be in the Lord's house. Glad y'all are here. And uh, uh, we're going to sing next. We're going to sing number 148. So let's turn there. Um, I don't have any announcements other than uh, we will have a teen choir practice tonight after the evening service. So please do stay for that if you can, teen choir. Uh, before we go there, though, we better have our men come receive our evening offerings at this time. So if we'll do that. There we go. And uh, Brother Jim, if you'd ask the Lord's blessing in the offering, please. Heavenly Father, if this is a song with us heard, Lord, we pray that you would illumine our eyes. Yes. Allow our eyes to be open to the words that you have for us at least tonight. Lord, as was this heard, I do pray that we go out of this building thinking about the message that we heard and thinking, allowing the Holy Spirit to, to change our lives and to make a difference in this world that seems like it's growing darker every day. Mm. And Lord, I pray that you just uh, bless his offering and allow every dollar to be used for your glory. And that's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah. 
Amen. We're going to do one more, and this really fits in very well. Turn to uh, number 39, if you will. Number 39. you to turn tonight, if you will, to Joshua, Joshua chapter 11. And uh, let me say this, if, if you weren't able to come to Bible State tonight, but you'd like to, uh, we're going to put some of the videos up uh, here eventually, and then I have this booklet that uh, if you'd like to have it, uh, we'll have some of those. I got a stack of them here, I'll put them in the back at the end, uh, but I'd love for you to have one of those. Uh, in Joshua chapter 11, we're going to be going down to verse uh, 18. So Joshua chapter 11, get there, and look at verse 18. And the Bible says, Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. And there was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel, save the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon, and uh, all other they took in battle. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might destroy them utterly, and that they might have no favor, but that he might destroy them as the Lord commanded Moses. And at that time came Joshua and cut off the Anakims from uh, the mountains, from Hebron, from Debir, from Anab, and from all the mountains of Judah, and from all the mountains of Israel, Joshua destroyed them utterly with their cities. There was none of the Anakims left in the land of the children of Israel. Only in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashtod there remained. By the way, those are 
familiar. You remember, where is uh, Goliath from? Okay, those same areas there. The Bible says, so Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord said unto Moses, and Joshua gave it uh, for an inheritance to Israel according to their divisions by their tribes, and the land rested from war. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to sing your praises here tonight. Father, we just uh, ask that you would help us take and put aside the cares of the world for a time. Do minister to the needs of those who can't be here tonight. Let your will be done in their hearts and lives. But Father, just meet with us. Strengthen our faith and just uh, help us to serve you well this week ahead. We love you and we thank you now. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I don't know if you've ever seen the statistics of uh, the credibility of the Bible versus other books or other authors. And I, I could give you different names and different things like that, but, but uh, like uh, Homer's Odyssey and stuff like that, they have like 13 manuscripts, if I remember right, something like that, just a handful of manuscripts. And yet, most people would look at that and say Homer was a real author and, and he existed and his stories are, you know, whatever. And uh, they have different historians, and some of them just have fragmentary evidence that they ever even existed. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible has, depending on the quality and the characteristic, thousands and tens of thousands of manuscripts to take and to validate the fact that we have a true word. Amen? I don't know about you, but it's good for us to take and to know the quality and the character of our word. We can trust the word of God. Amen? And if you will, there's a lot of things in here that others might consider mythology. And I will give you this. If you think about dinosaurs, uh, how many of y'all believe that dinosaurs exist? And I believe di the behemoth. A lot of people says uh, if you look at behemoth in the book of Job, they say, well, that was a, a great mastodon. No, you might want to read it again. It talks about him having a tail like a cedar tree, okay? And if you will, to me, he's more like Brontosaurus, if you know the different uh, dinosaurs. Matter of fact, that just showed my age. I don't think Brontosaurus exists anymore, but now I'm nerding out on you. Sorry about that. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, if you will, we believe in dinosaurs. How many of y'all believe in dragons? And, and yet the Bible talks about Leviathan, and he is a, a, a sea dragon, if you will. The Bible says he sneezes, or when he sneezes, he sneezes fire. And so you say, well, how can you believe in fire-breathing dragons? I'll tell you how I can believe in fire-breathing dragons. They're in the Bible. And, uh, and yet, when we look at them in the world, we look at it and we see mythology. You know, you take and you see the Chinese and their dragon mythology, and, and, a, and a lot of, you know, uh, the culture of the day takes in and promotes these things as mythical creatures and mythical beings. In a sense, they, they're taking and say, well, it's not real, it's not real. And the problem is, then it comes and it stains the Bible, because they say, well, there wasn't a worldwide flood. Well, help me now. Then why does every culture in the world have a flood epic? And I could name a bunch of them, but the whole point is this, is I promise you every major religion and every major culture has a flood account. You know why? There was a real flood. And there were real dinosaurs. And there were real dragons. Amen. There were real giants, too. And I don't know if you've noticed, but here lately, giants have started to come back into... Uh, uh, they're just, uh, they're, people talk about them, if you will, and, and you see different news items about them. And how big is a giant? Uh, the biggest uh, human being in, in my history, I used to love reading Ripley's Believe It or Not, and, um, and uh, is it the Guinness Book of World Records? I used to love reading the Guinness Book of World Records, and if I remember right, the tallest human being 
in recent memory or photographable memory was a man named Robert Waldo. And if I remember right, he was seven foot ten. Does that sound about right? About eight four. You're you're exactly right. He was eight foot four inches right. And and so big, big guy, but please take this the right way. He wasn't the kind of guy you'd be afraid of. If you ever saw a picture of him, he was rather feeble, and, and I mean, it was, he had difficulty walking and moving. And when you think about giants, you think about warriors, and you think about these enormous men that would inspire fear and terror, not just in human beings, but in whole armies. Uh, you remember when Goliath came out, and he took and he cursed the God uh, of Israel. Uh, the king and his army were shaking his boots. The only one who wasn't shaking in his boots was one who believed in God. <laughs> Amen, David, amen. We'll look at him here in a second. Well, why do I bring him up? Uh, it, just, it just, it sparked an interest in me this week. I was thinking about Anakim. There, there's going to be some applications, but we're going to look at that. Anakim is just a name for the sons of Anak, and yet they were called giants. Well, how big was a giant? We'll, we'll talk about this here in a moment. We know how big, if you will, that Goliath was. He was, uh, how many, help me know, nine cubits? That's not right. Six cubits in a span. He was six cubits in a span. The reason I said nine cubits is six cubits in a span is six of these. Okay, this is a cubit from here to here. And by the way, how many of y'all realize a cubit is relative? Some of us have bigger cubits than other people. And I can only imagine how big a giant's cubit was. <laughs> okay. Um, I taught, uh, boy, it's been five, ten years ago at this point. I taught through Genesis one year, and uh, I showed a picture of a man standing next to a human femur. Okay, this is a human femur, and this is a femur, okay? Can the medical personnel count me out here? Is that right? This is a femur, okay? And uh, five foot, six inches tall. A femur. Now add that to a human body. How big was a giant? And I'm not talking about some weak need. We feeble kind of guy. I'm talking about an enormous, powerful giant of a man, if you will. And this bone right here was five foot, six inches tall. And when they equated it out, my understanding was, is they believed that that human being was 19 feet tall. 19 feet tall with that size of a... Now, I don't know about you, but have you guys ever seen a big guy? I mean... I, listen, I'm six foot two, and I'm used to looking most people like this. But every once in a while, somebody will walk into the room and just like... Whoa, you're a big guy. Anybody ever stood next to a seven-foot-tall human being? It's impressive, isn't it? I, I'm, I'm not sure how tall he was. Yes, sir. And we were both in the museum, and I felt something big next to me. And I turned around, and I was looking at this guy's cell phone. <laughs> 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 and his first name was Sir. Yes, sir, right? Yeah, Amen. Uh, I want you to think about these men. They've had pictures here lately, and please take this the right way. How long have we had photography? Maybe since the 1850s. Please take this the right way. If there were giants that could have their picture taken, I think we'd have known about it. But here lately, they've been showing pictures of these giants and these huge Indian, Native American type folks and things like that. And I don't know if they're true or not, but I do know this. Giants are in the Bible. Giants are in the Bible, and there's some things that we can learn about them. Now, there's some misconceptions about them, but here's the thing. I don't have a problem with giant people if we also have giant lizards. 
and giant dragons. By the way, we still have dragons today. You ever heard of a Komodo dragon? We still have dragons today, and we still have lizards today, amen? They just don't become giant like that, amen, like the human beings, some of them were. Now, I don't know why some were giants and some were not. I, I mean, the Bible is, is relatively silent on that, but the Bible is not silent on giants. So if you will, go to Genesis chapter 6, please. And I want to take and want to show a misconception because I do believe there is some dangerous, listen now, and if this is all news to you, good. But if you have any desire to study about giants, can I warn you to be very, very careful. The reason for that is, is some people take different books that are not scripture and they like to talk about the Anunnaki and the, uh, the Nephilim and different things like that. And they talk about being a super race of humans. And, and help me now, I'm going to let you in a little secret. There's only one race of humans. Adam's race. Amen. And uh, if there are angels, and angels are mighty beings, if you are, you will. They are angels, Okay. Uh, but if you will, uh, in Genesis chapter 6, the Bible does uh, begin to address, if you will, giants. And the Bible says in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair. Now help me for a second here. Anybody know who the sons of God are? Be very careful before you answer. Because I'm going to show you a definition of what a son of God is here, amen. But some people say these are giant angel-like creatures, okay, or angels, if you will. Well, I'll show you I believe that is incorrect. The Bible says the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them of wise of all which they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with, what's the Bible say? So is he talking about men? Come on now. How many of y'all think this? If God was talking about angels, he would know. He says men. The Bible says that he will not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be in 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days. Okay? Now, that word giant. We've been, if you will, studying here the last couple weeks about how to study your Bible. Now, can you assume what a giant is? It's getting deathly quiet here. <laughs> Uh, anybody know what a giant is? I mean, is a seven-foot-tall person a giant? A ten-foot-tall person, is that a giant? Some of you guys are going like, five-six, a giant to me. I don't, you know. What's a giant? Well, by the way, folks, that word really doesn't mean giant. It's the word Nephilim. And the word Nephilim means a fallen one. A fallen one. Interesting. He had equates... The sons of God and the daughters of men. And then it talks about these giants or fallen ones. Okay, help me now. What happened in the Garden of Eden? Did man fall? And what did he fall from? He fell from his, if you will, sinless state. And in a sense, uh, he, uh, I hate the expression, fell into sin, but if you will, he, they fell from if you will, that sinless state into a sinful state. Can, you, can we all agree on that? And so if you will, fallen one can mean anything. It doesn't have to mean giant. Matter of fact, it's only used in one other place. I'll show it to you. Go to uh, Numbers chapter 13. 
Numbers chapter 13. And the Bible describes here in Numbers chapter 13, verse 33. And the Bible says, and there we saw the giants, okay, the fallen ones, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, okay? And if you will, the son of uh, the fallen ones, okay, if you will. He says, uh, and we were as in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were they in their sight. Meaning this, these are big people, okay, enormous people. I'll show you how big in here in just a minute, moment. But I believe, if you will, he's talking about the sons of Anak, who are created with large, large people. I'll show you that here in a second. But he's also saying they are fallen ones, meaning, if you will, they're wicked people. Okay? So much so that God says, utterly destroy them and drive them from the land. Kill all of them. Why? Because they're fallen people. How did we know they were fallen? They worshipped false gods. They did, uh, they did wicked sacrifices. They hated God. Amen. These are people fallen, if you will, from, if you will, that sinless state. Okay? And so they're in the context of other people who are called uh, very large, very big. We'll see that here in a second. The sons of Anak are actually defined. Giants just, I believe, talk about their character. That fallen ones, if you will. Now notice also, if you will, sometimes... Some people believe that they're associated with angels. You remember the Bible says the sons of God saw the daughters of men. Okay? Is anybody in here a son of God? Okay? And hopefully you are, because the Bible tells us in John chapter 1, in uh, verse 12, that now we have the power to become the sons of God. Amen? And if you will, to be a son means that you're born of God. Now, how many sons does God have? And by definition, we know this, that a son has to be a man. He has to be a human being. You all with me? I just showed you that. And so if you will, a son has to be a man. So how many sons does God have by birth? By birth, he has two. He has two. He has Adam, and he has, of course, Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, when, when Adam was born... Was he just like Jesus Christ? Now be careful, because the answer to that question is yes. Why? Because Jesus has to be 100% man to be our Savior. Y'all with me? He's 100% man, 100% God. Amen? But remember this, before the fall, Adam was sinless. Come on now. And so can Jesus, if you will, because... The sins descend from the Father, the Bible tells us. Jesus didn't have a human father. Amen. Jesus' father was God. So therefore, how many sons does he have? He has Adam, and he has, of course, Jesus. And then how are we to become the sons of God? Well, by trusting Jesus as our Savior, and we're reborn, and we become the sons of God. We are not the sons of God. We get saved and we become the sons of God. Amen? And so if you will, the Bible tells us that, uh, about the sons of God. Go, if you, you will, to uh, uh, Job chapter 1. I want you to see this. Job chapter 1. Interesting. Job chapter 1. And look at... Uh, Verse 6, okay? In Job chapter 1 and verse 6, the Bible says, Now there was a day when the sons of God 
came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Now, we're talking about, if you will, in this context here, angels, all right? Now, help me for a second here. I'm not trying to be clever. But in a sense, did God also create the angels? And so they're sons of God in that relationship, okay? They were directly born or directly created by God. We are recreated. That's how we become the sons of God, amen? They were directly created. But here it's very clearly in the context of Satan. Is Satan an angel? Satan is the anointed cherub that covereth. He is an angel, amen? And so if you will, he's very clearly talking about those who were created, if you will, by God, but are angels. Amen? And so you can, you can distinguish between the two. God is not trying to tell us that they are the same thing. And so if you will, Adam was created by God. Jesus was created by God. And lest, lest uh, there's confusion, go to 1 Corinthians, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Notice what the Bible says in verse 45. The Bible says, And so is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, well, who's the last Adam? Jesus Christ, if you will. And by the way, the word Adam means man or mankind. You all understand that? And so in a sense, he's saying the first man and the last man. Okay, the first man and the last man. The first man, if you will, if you will, he became a living, living soul that died. Amen. And if you will, at this, the last Adam was made a quickening spirit or a spirit that could make you alive again. Amen. We experience spiritual death, but when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, he comes in and he makes us alive again. Amen. That's how we have everlasting life. And, and, and so, if you will, we see... Uh, uh, that just because they're fallen ones doesn't make them uh, sons of God, okay? Well, why is that significant? Well, the significance is this, is that uh, lost men, excuse me, excuse me, saved men saw lost women that they were beautiful, okay? I've preached this here recently, amen? They took them for wives, amen? And if you will, they became fallen men. Why? Because they, they, they no longer followed God. They, they fell. How do we know that? Because they got more and more people lost, 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 until the point that the only people left were Noah and his family. Amen. And so we see that, if you will. My whole point is this. It's, why is that important? Does anybody here have a Schofield Bible? You got to be careful with a Schofield Bible because they believe in what's called the gap theory to try to explain evolution. And they also believe in, uh, if you will, uh, that these angels are, are fallen ones. Okay, my understanding anyway. Okay. And so we see here, those are the giants. That's what they talk about. Now, notice what the, how the Bible describes them. Go to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. The Bible describes these giants. We're talking about giants now. Okay. So Numbers chapter 13. Okay. And uh, by the way, those, those people we're talking about are associated with rebellion and they're destined for judgment. Okay. And they, of course, were judged at the flood. Now, I, I'm sorry, I had you jump ahead. Uh, go to Deuteronomy 2. Go to Deuteronomy 2. Okay. Sorry about that. Notice what the Bible teaches us about these giants. Okay. In Deuteronomy chapter 2, look at verse 20. 
Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 20. The Bible says this, it says, uh, it says that also was accounted a, a land of giants. Giants dwelt therein in old time, and the Ammonites called them uh, Zamzumims. Okay. <laughs> Have you noticed how all the giants' names end in eems? I am. That's just plural. And so these people are called Zamzumims. Now, I didn't look this word up, but when I looked up the other ones, you'll see them here in a second, it describes them as a wolf pack or terrors or just kind of descriptive names of, of animals and wicked beasts, if you will, okay? And so that's, that's probably what this Zamzum means. Somebody might be able to look it up before. But the whole point is this, is, is the Bible says uh, they were called at that time Zamzumims, and it says... Uh, uh, and the people great and many and tall as the Anakims. And the reason he compares them to that is they knew who Anakims were. They didn't know who the Zamzumims were. Okay, whew. Those are hard to say. Amen. <laughs> All right. The Bible says this. It says, uh, and they, uh, but the Lord destroyed them before them, and they succeeded them and dwelt in their stead. Now, I haven't said this. I want you to think about fighting a giant. And can, can we be honest? How many of y'all would be terrified to fight something that big? Um, I'm, I'm uh, never very impressed with bullies. Because have you ever noticed how bullies pick on people they know they can beat up? My attitude is, if you want to be a bully, go find somebody bigger than you. Amen? Why? Because, I mean, if you want to go beat on somebody, make sure that they got a fair fight in them. Amen? Uh, think about these, these individuals, if they are that big. Okay? Anywhere between you know, eight and 19 feet tall, okay? And just imagine the terror before your eyes. And God is saying this, know this, I have already defeated your enemies. Now, folks, you might think this is a whole message about giants. Uh, what giants do you have in your lives? Because what is an enemy too big? Is what is something that terrifies you? And what is something that makes you want to run? Amen. And and, and so they they had to take and they, they had to face these these enormous people that they could they talked about they existed in past history, they they existed in present history. And uh, I, I don't know that they exist today, but we'll find anyhow. Notice this, notice what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 14 and verse 5. Who defeated giants? Who defeated giants? I think it's interesting. In Genesis chapter 15, every person that God made a covenant with had to defeat giants. Every person that, had, that God made a covenant with, he had to defeat giants. The Bible says this, if you will, in Genesis chapter 14. Look at verse 5. And the Bible's talking about Abraham here. And the Bible says, and in the 14th year came uh, Sheridan-Marrow. That's that one again, amen. The Bible says, and the kings that were with him and smote the Rephimims in the Ashtoreth, Karnaim, uh, and the Zuzims and Ham. By the way, those are those words that mean wolf pack and terrors. They, all these people are giants, folks. All these people are giants. And the Bible says this. It says, and the Zuzims and Ham and the Emmines... <laughs> Emims and Shava, man, I picked a real good verse, didn't I? Kiriathim, okay? And, and notice, if you will, uh, the word here for giant in there is, uh, let me look here. Uh, Abraham defeated, uh, anyhow, please forgive me, 
oh, there it is, Rephaim. Rephaim is the word for giant, okay? Rephaim is the word for giant, and the other ones mean, are those other terrible names, okay? And so the Rephaim, you see Abraham, he says, when you fight this war, you're going to be fighting against giants. Now, folks, i got to tell you, that's impressive. Think about this. He raised his entire army and his household, and he went out and he faced giants. You know how he did it? He probably did it like he did everything else, by faith. Abraham is the father of the faithful, and he took and he was able to take and defeat those giants. How big were they? Look in Deuteronomy chapter 3. Deuteronomy chapter 3. So we're just making these numbers up. Well, maybe. Deuteronomy chapter 3, look at verse 11. And the Bible describes Og, king of Bashan. Okay? And the only way that we know how big it is is to talk about how big his bed is. Now, as I was looking at this, I thought, man, I got a pretty big bed. Anybody know how big a king-size bed is? The reason I, the reason I know is because I've made a headboard, and it's 84 inches. If I'm not wrong, it's 84 by 82 or 82 by 84. Is that right? Yeah, it's like square. Yeah, it's pretty close, 84 by 84, something like that. And so it's pretty big, okay? And, uh, but, listen, if you look in history, beds usually fit the individual, okay? Well, let's look at this, and I believe that's why God gives this description here. Uh, Deuteronomy 3 and verse 11, the Bible says this, it says, For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of giants. Behold, his bedstead was a bedstead of, what's the Bible say there? Iron. Why do you think it was made out of iron? <laughs> I will let you in a little secret. Being a bigger guy, not everything is made for big guys. You guys know what I'm talking about? <laughs> okay. Like Furniture. I would promise this, furniture is just not made for the average size. Okay, this thing's made of iron. Why? Well, we went looking for uh, chairs the other day, and uh, I'll confess to you, I'm kind of hard on furniture uh, because I'll just I'll destroy a chair after a while just sitting in it. And so we were looking for, you guys ever heard of flex steel? We were looking for a flex steel chair because I was saying, I want that thing to hold up, you know. And uh, think about it. He's, his, his bed's made out of iron, amen, to take and to hold up, to hold his weight. The Bible says this. It says, is it not in Reba of the children of Ammon? Nine cubits was the length thereof, his bed, and four cubits the breadth thereof after the cubit of a man. Folks, his bed was six foot wide and 13 and a half feet tall. Thirteen and a half feet tall. Can I just tell you this? He was a big, big man. So much so that he was a man of renown. People knew him. And think about this. That's what the Bible talked about, those evil men. They became men of renown, okay? Uh, 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 Nimrod and them uh, were probably like that. So the Bible describes, if you will, that's what a giant is. The Bible also describes the sons of Anak, okay? Look at Numbers chapter 13. Go real fast. i got to get done here. Numbers chapter 13. Look at verse 28. Numbers 13, verse 28. And the Bible says, Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. By the way, they're getting ready to get scared. Amen. We're afraid to go in there. We're afraid to go into the promised land. Why? Because we saw giants there. Help me for a second, folks. What kind of promises does God have for you that you keep from embracing because of the challenge of the giant. Now, folks, we're talking about physical giants here, but if you will, I want to make it a spiritual application. What things in our life keep us from enjoying the full blessing of our relationship with God? 
I want you to think about this. Because of their fear and their fear of these giants that are there, it describes the son of Anak, if you will, and, and talks about they're the sons of, of, they're called the Anakim, the sons of Anak. And, and, and if you will, it talks about how large and how terrified they were. But you remember when it came time, Caleb said, I want that mountain. And I know the Anakim live there. Why? Well, because I'm not afraid of them. Why? Because if God can defeat Pharaoh and his armies, come on now, he can defeat these giants too. Amen? Folks, how many of y'all believe that Jesus Christ can defeat your enemies? Amen. And sometimes we just need to acknowledge them as giants and take and embrace the promises of God and say, you know what? I kind of want to be like David. I don't care how big you are, Goliath. And remember, they said they eliminated all the giants from the land except for Gath. Goliath was from where? Goliath of Gath. Amen. And so, if you will, there was one waiting for David, if you will. So those are the sons of Anak. We see them there in in Numbers. We see them in Joshua chapter 14. Matter of fact, turn there just real quick. Numbers, uh, Joshua chapter 14. Uh, Look at verse 6 or 12. Let's go to verse 12. Joshua chapter 14 and verse 12. You could read all the way if you wanted to from verse 6 to 13, but in verse 12, the Bible says this. It says, Now therefore give me this mountain, wherefore the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in the day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. Amen? He says this literally. If the Lord be with me, I can defeat the giants. Uh, Folks, what giants do we have? I I will tell you one giant that I had early on. I think you guys know this. I'm not afraid to speak publicly, okay? But witnessing, can I tell you, there was a time that witnessing was just terrifying to me. And I remember I came under conviction one time that I needed to start witnessing. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to start handing a track out to uh, everybody who I talk to. And so one of the people you talk to is somebody through a drive-thru, you know? And I remember literally trembling, being afraid of what somebody I didn't even know. And by the way, I would probably interact with for about five seconds. Amen. I was just terrified to take and give them a track until you finally just have to say, Lord, I'm just going to do it. And you start giving the tracks out and, and uh, pretty soon it's no big deal. Why? Because God helps you to get through that. Knocking the door. God will help you. Uh, dealing with whatever in your life. God will help you. Amen. And, and so we see, we see that. How big was Goliath? Uh, by the way, he was just a little one. Amen. Just a little one. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. First Samuel chapter 17. Look at verse uh, 4. 1 Samuel 17 verse 4. And the Bible says this. It says, And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose whose height was six cubits in a span. Folks, that's, that's nine and a half feet tall. Six of these and one of these, okay? That's, that's six cubits in a span, okay? Nine and a half feet tall or even taller, depending on whose cubit they're using there, amen? But the whole point is this. Uh, that's a little bit less than 13 and a half feet, amen? And so if you will, he was six cubits in a span. But you know what? God, David said this. God helped me to kill a lion and to kill a bear. Please take this the right way. Do you realize that sometimes we don't have to kill the giant the first time? 
God will take and give us a lion and a bear. He'll take and let us grow in our faith and grow in our ability to trust and follow him. And uh, go to 2 Samuel, if you will. Look at verse 21, uh, chapter 21, 2 Samuel 21. Look at verse 15. The Bible says this, it says, Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel, and David went down with his servant with him and fought against the Philistines, and David waxed faint, and uh, Ishabinob, which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight, he being girded with a new sword, uh, thought to have slain uh, David, but Abishai, the, the son of Zariah, succored him, or helped him, and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt no more go into battle. But after that they take, and the Bible says in verse 18, the Bible says, and it came to pass after this that there was again battle with the Philistines and Gob, and then uh, Sibachai, the Hushethite, slew Saph, which was of the sons of the giant, you keep reading through there, he kills the other four sons of the giant, amen. By the way, it, it's a good metaphor. How many stones did, Jesus, uh, did David pick up? He picked up five stones, amen. He used one to kill Goliath, and then the other four, okay, were taken, taken care of. Uh, uh, get a hold of this. Notice what the Bible says. David killed Goliath, but his army killed the rest. Please take this the right way. How many of y'all know somebody dealing with the giant? How about somebody dealing with cancer or somebody dealing with a loss or somebody dealing with a hardship in a family? Can I just tell you this? It's good for us to help one another to batter all giants. Amen. Meaning this, when somebody gives a prayer request, we ought to take that and say, you know what? If, they, if they're having enough courage to speak up publicly saying, I need you to pray for this, they're acknowledging, hey, this is a giant. This is a big one. This is something I need help with. Amen. And David defeated, he got credit for defeating all the giants, but he, he, his army was the one that took and destroyed all the giants. Well, now think about this. And, and I'll just hit this fast. But uh, I, I told you all the covenant recipients took and uh, defeated the giants. Noah, with the flood, the giants were defeated. We talked about that already. Abraham, the Bible says, the Rephaim, he took and defeated those. We, we looked at that. Moses, a Rephaim again, uh, he took and destroyed them in Deuteronomy chapter 2, amen. Joshua, the Bible tells us in Joshua chapter 11 and verse 21 that he defeated the Anakim and then David defeated, if you will, Goliath. Now, I don't think there's any accidents in the Bible. Meaning that all the people of promise and all the people of covenant, God gave them giants to defeat, if you will, and they had to be defeated by the same faith that we have today. The same faith that we have today. Now, I don't know about you. I, I think if we saw a 13 and a half tall man who wanted to kill us, it might just bring a little terror into a lot of our lives. Please take this the right way. Rightly so. I, I don't know about you. There was a reason why the army was trembling. The problem is they had forgot the God who could give victory over those giants. Well, what do I mean? Are there any more giants to kill? Are there any more giants to be defeated? Uh, I want you to think about this, but folks, God, Jesus, is still going to take and defeat a giant for us. Go, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We looked at this this morning, but 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at verse 24. 
And I believe in a sense, metaphorically, we can see here, Jesus is going to conquer the last giant for all of us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 24, the Bible says this. It says, uh, Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and all power. And by the way, the context of this is all the people who are our enemies. Amen. The Bible says, For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet, and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Amen. What's the greatest fear for most people? Well, <laughs> I love you, Reese. <laughs> He's right. <laughs> Second is death, amen. But, uh, yeah, it's most people fear death. Most people fear death, amen. And you know what Jesus is saying? If I can destroy your greatest enemy, come on. If I can destroy your greatest enemy, all you have to do is, like David, know that I can defeat your greatest enemy. And I don't know about you, but if you will, we're supposed to have a walk of faith we're supposed to have a walk of faith, and, and we're not supposed to rest from war. The Bible tells us in Joshua chapter 11, verse 23, we're not supposed to rest from war until all our enemies are defeated. Amen? And, and I will tell you, what enemy are you facing? What giant is there in your life? Loneliness? Fear? I'm, I'm just kind of pausing for a second because I don't want to name them all. You think about that one thing that's keeping you from fully trusting in the Lord. Because please take this to white way. You don't have to be afraid of anything if you know absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. Why? Because that enemy has been defeated. And you could be just like David and say, you know what? I killed a lion and a bear. And if my God can help me to defeat those terrifying things, you, Mr. Goliath, or nothing in his sight. Now, you got everybody else scared. And to be honest with you, I don't think he was fearless. I just think he was full of faith. He was faithful. Amen. You know, think about this. One day, one day, all of our enemies are going to be defeated. We're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. And uh, just like Joshua, you can stop fighting when all the enemies are defeated. Now, you know, okay, in your life, what is that thing that just keeps beating you or you're afraid to face? Because I promise you, all of us probably have something. Amen? And so if you will, just take and look at that giant in the eyes and say, my God helped me to kill a lion and a bear, and he's going to help me to kill you. Why? Because you took and you cursed my God. Amen? And would to God that we could have that kind of faith. You know, the world wants to say this is just a mythology book. But I'll just tell you what, dinosaurs are real, dragons are real, and giants are real. And I think sometimes Christians want to say, ah, if I was a good Christian, I wouldn't face any giants. Well, David was a good Christian, and he faced a giant. I don't know how the Lord would use this in your life, but maybe you just want to come pray and ask God for victory. Let's all stand, if you would. Let's all stand.